Welcome back Giants fans to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. This week we are 67% British, 33% Irish, but still 100% Giants. As you can tell, these are not the dulcet tones of Dan you can hear, but producer Craig instead as Dan's scheduling means he can't make it this week. I'm glad to say though, for the first time in a few weeks, Shane and Kev have been reunited together on the pod. How's it going? I've missed Kev. I've missed having that conversation. I can go back to being negative. Ken can be optimistic. Got good yin and yang going on between us. Oh, I've missed you too, brother. Here we go. We're back in Giants talk. It's like love it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Should be a should be a good one. Some good banter going on between you two. So um, there's a fair bit to get through this week. Uh, we're going to conclude our roundup of the positional groups and our preseason opener. Preseason opener this past Thursday night. But let's round up a bit of the news because there's been a bit today. A few roster moves this week as the Giants needed to get down to their target of 85 players. The Giants acquired cornerback Elijah Griffin off waivers from the Buffalo Bills. Griffin played 37 snaps on defence and 8 on special teams. The Bills preseason opener against Indianapolis and was credited with one solo tackle. Thoughts on that? Either of you heard of him? I know he was um, he was drafted last year, I believe. I was surprised with the um, Jeremiah Hall movement. Austin Prowell, he's one of them players that I kind of always know by his name. But I've never, he's never really sort of stood out. He's just one of them players that just constantly knocks around. Um, so, you know, I think if you, we'll talk about Thursday um, shortly, but, you know, some of the wide receivers that played, a couple of them had um, bright, bright moments. And, you know, I think it's just become obvious he's not going to be on the team. Yeah. I mean, um, I was very surprised about the Jeremiah Hall. Um, I thought he'd had a really good camp. And I thought he's been playing quite well. Um, he's been playing that sort of like, Tight end, H back, full back role, and we're obviously not going to carry a full back this year because I, I believe he had the the job sort of kneeled on um, at that position, more of a pass catch and than a blocking uh, full back. Um, so I was kind of surprised to see him go because I thought he had done well. Heslop again was just one of those players that were a bit of a camp body brought in just kids numbers, and um, Austin Pro. It's one of those wide receivers that just he, he's he's great in camp. You know, you've got to run through a lot of drills and stuff and go play first, seconds and third teams. And he's just, you know, a great professional to come in and do that type of work. Uh, but he was never really going to make the three-man roster. Um, and he'll probably come on to a camp again next season and do well again. Um, as for uh, the new uh, cornerback we signed, um, Elijah uh, Griffin, I actually quite liked him coming out of USC last season. I thought that... I thought he had a draftable grade, maybe like a sixth, seventh rounder to develop. And I believe the Bills got him as an undrafted uh, free agent. And he was on the practice squad the whole season last year. Didn't really do, he didn't get up to the senior team. But again, you know, he's 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 six foot. He's what one seventy five, I think. So he's on later side. He's still got a lot of development to do. But I do think, yeah, he's one that could definitely uh, sort of make our practice squad this year. I don't, couldn't see him making fifty three, but I definitely think he might be one of those sort of stash cornerbacks for the, for for going forward um so I was kind of pleased with that pickup yeah absolutely i think um i th- i think it's another it's another camp body isn't it it's another person who can play at the cornerback position who potentially could come in and make a difference and god knows we need it we'll be going through those a bit later we won't be doing a deep dive on griffin however uh due to the fact that he, he is a late addition to to the giants team so, moving on to the preseason, uh, we had our first game last Thursday against the New England Patriots. First time we could get a proper look at how potentially this season is going to go, as well as giving us a look at some of the fringe players that are going to be battling for roster spots. Joe Shane and Dayball won their first preseason game as a tandem, which is good news, um, as Graham Gano kicked a 24 yard field goal to seal a 23 21 victory 
against the Patriots. Game featured two drives from our starting offense before much needed reps were obviously handed out to our second string and then third string teams. How do you think the starters performed in those first two drives? <laughs> Excuse me. I think there was um promi- there was there was probably some potential and then there was some negative stuff. Um, you know, I thought Daniel Jones looked pretty good in all fairness. Um loved the the time he was getting in the pocket. I've not seen that kind of space in my whole time as a Giants fan. Obviously, it's not been as long as as, as either of you two or, or even Dan. Um, but yeah, you know, it was nice. I, I, I liked what I saw from Jones. I liked what I saw from the old line at times. Um, I thought our running game looked pretty good, even like, you know, beyond the starters. But then obviously someone like Kenny G, you've got to make that catch. You know, that that's the difference between winning and losing games in the regular season. And you can't afford to to drop that catch. And then, you know, defensively, um, which we'll come on to, I thought we looked good as well. So, you know, I, I thought there was promising signs from the off, the, the offence. And, you know, we've probably not seen all the... We, we're keeping things back. You know, we, we, we're going to be doing some things in motion, trick plays, etc. We're not going to be showing that off in the first game of pre-season. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot to, 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 to like. I mean, a win's a win, obviously. You want to get that on the board. You're not going to... In pre-season, you're going to take the win, enjoy it. If you have a loss, you're going to say... Uh, well, it's only preseason, so don't worry about it. But I thought I thought uh, Daniel Jones looked decent. Um, I thought again the pocket was was actually really good, and like Shane said, he probably had too much time <laughs> in some of the in some of the things. But I thought you know he he played well. I thought the running backs were very good. I thought we the offensive line actually got some push, and that's all of them, even the backups, because obviously we we uh, Shane Lemieux came out injured quite early so we had to shuffle things around a bit but I thought all the, I thought Bredesen played really well um, I thought some of the backups uh, O-line or O-line's actually like sneaky deep I wouldn't say it's good good but I do think we've got some players there who who at a pinch could come in and do a job for us um, one thing I will say about the starters that that I didn't really see that I, I didn't see that I wanted to see was the use of the tight ends I, I, I think the only time I saw passes go to the tight ends were check down passes. Like, you know, scanned the field, he went through the first, second, third read, and then dumped it down to the tight ends, which again goes back to good protection from the O-line that you're good getting to your dump down passes, um, that you're actually able to go through progressions. But I didn't see the Bellinger or any of the other tight ends actually targeted. Um, and as for defense, um, I thought Thibodeau, in the lim- very limited snaps, he had like, 10 or 12 snaps, whatever it was, but he was a menace. Like, he didn't, you know, get a sack or anything like that, but, like, I thought he'd just give him the right tackle absolute fits, uh, even caused him to jump offside uh, or, or false false start on one of the uh, one of the snaps. So, and Beavers as well, talk about players to come in and actually make a stamp. I thought Beavers is linebacker. I thought he came in, diagnosed everything well. Uh, he looks like a proper old school sort of, like, downhill runner. I'm very pleased with how he performed. Um, I mean, the secondary got picked on a little bit. We'll probably talk about it in a bit, but, you know, Aaron Robinson was was a few back shoulder passes, sort of. Uh, he was targeted and he gave up a few penalties and stuff. And But all in all, I think it was a really good run out. But again, the injury bug struck a little bit and we've had a few players uh, get injured from it. Yeah, so uh, as you've just alluded to there, there were a few injuries on the day. Shane Lemieux, uh, obviously... He, he had to go with a toe injury. He didn't return and was seen on the sidelines a bit later in a walking boot. Uh, the backup that came in for him, Jamil Douglas, was later ruled out with an ankle injury. And then obviously rookie cornerback Cordell Flott, he left in the fourth quarter with a groin injury. 
is it time to start worrying about how durable we are, especially on that offensive line? Um, I'd say I say no, because I do think this regime has been overcautious. I think they've gone back and they've seen our injury history. And I just think, like, say, for example, they're holding players out or not letting players go back in when they could. If it was an actual game on Sundays and uh, and it meant something, then some a lot of these players would actually play. So I think it's more like, oh, you've had a bit of a tweak, right? Just come out, just come out, sit down. You know, we'll rest it up, you know, a couple of days off. We've got three more weeks of preseason. We don't want to uh, escalate anything more than it is. Um, so I think it's more, well, I'm hoping it's more cautionary than actual, oh, God, we've got loads of injuries now again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the last thing we need, especially after the last few seasons, is to to push players past the soft tissue injury into the sort of realms of IR for weeks and weeks or potentially season-ending um, when we have to start looking at picking people up off the streets again. Yeah, definitely. Like, just to come back and talk about, sorry, um, players that sort of did themselves like no harm at all. I thought Colin Johnson played really well. I like, I think he was, um, he almost was like, he was making the plays that Kenny Galladay should have been making. I mean, I think I only remember him having one really bad play, not a bad play, but he, he, he had a fumble. But when you watch it, I thought his ball security was fine. I just think the defender did a, made a really good play on it. He punched it out and sort of like, it was one of those things where it was a perfect timed punch. And I really don't think Johnson was to blame for that, to be honest. Um, but other than that, I think he caught, what, seven of eight passes for 80-something yards. So I think he had a really good day at the office. I like talking about like Beavers, I thought played really, really well. Um, the running backs, I mean, there was no drop-off. I mean, every running back that came in, they got yards. They seemed to just, you know, get the three or four yards needed. Some broke off a nice sort of 10, 7, 8, 10, you know, as as needed. Um, I was very surprised with our mate Gary. I actually thought he he was getting sort of reps with the ones and the twos. Um, and I never, I didn't see that. I I, I hadn't heard his name being talked about in preseason, in um, camp and stuff, you know, about making a move. Uh, we all thought that we actually, you know, he might be on the way out. But um, I thought he came in and actually looked like a violent, violent runner and, you know, gained the hard yards and, and um, when called upon the passing game, caught the passes as well. So uh, there was um, there were players definitely, you know, put their hand up and, and, and did did well. Yeah, touching on what Kev's mentioned there, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I really like the Beavers picking the draft anyway. I thought it was fantastic value in the, in the sixth round, to be honest. Um, he's definitely kind of, you know, one of the, the players I've really got my own and I'm hoping that, you know, he could be challenging Tay Crater for that um, LB2 spot, essentially next to Blake. Um, I felt a little bit sorry for Aaron Robinson because, as Kev said, you know, he, he was he was suffering in that. And then he gets a BS taunting call. That was never a taunting call. I don't care what anyone says. So I kind of felt I a little agree. bit sorry. For the one time he made a play, he, he got pulled back. And it was like, I watched the replay and I was like, okay, where's the taunt? Because I, I, I genuinely couldn't see a, a taunt. Um a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to call, I'm going to call Dan out on this. So Dan, if you're listening, uh, you questioned why um, Colin Johnson had got a um, throwback jersey. Well, now you know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quite the performance yeah. where you should get a throwback jersey, but okay. <laughs> That's why he gets it. Um, and then, yeah, I might Gary or um, a psych one likes to call him, as we discovered on um, the training camp videos, GB. 
Um, yeah, did really well. You know, he was probably one that I think we probably all would have agreed he was going to be on the bubble more, you know, maybe probably really on special team to keep him on the roster. But what you're seeing on Thursday, um, you know, with Matt Brader not uh, dressing as well, he made a real solid claim for that kind of RB2, RB3 role. Yeah, massively. I think the running backs were a massive part and probably the big shining light of the entire game. I mean, if, if we go through the stats, Antonio Williams uh, had nine carries for 61 yards, which was actually more yards than the entire Patriots team rushed, which I thought was quite funny. Um, he also had one reception that lost a yard, but he obviously he had a rushing touchdown during the game, one of two touchdowns that we had. I think the other one was Ty Rob to Richie James. Um then you've got our, our mate Gary, who had seven carries for 40 yards, two receptions for 19 yards, which I think is quite good. Sean Corbin had pretty good burst, I thought. Six carries for 23 yards and five receptions for 28 yards. So it was used quite heavily. Um, and then Sandro Platzgummer, who has been with the team a few years with the international pathway. Um, he had three carries for 21 yards and obviously set up the, the game-winning field goal with a had contribution in that. So... Really, that's a great showing from four players fighting almost for one spot, you would imagine. Yeah, and, and a shout out to Platts as well. Um, Dave's letting him break the team down at the end of the game in the dressing room, which I thought was quite cool, to be honest with you. But yeah, you know, the, the running game, I think he just emphasises that, you know, providing he stays fit, and I hope he does, I really think we're, we're going to see something big from Saquon this year. I, I think we're really going to he's probably going to play in a way that's going to price him out of the, the second contract with us, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree with that. I mean, like, if we, we had our uh, fantasy draft, not the, not the Giants podcast one, but like one I do in my mates um, a couple of weeks ago, and we had to do it because people on holidays. I know we did it really early, far too early. I get it. We normally do it the opening weekend of college ball, like literally the week before the kick NFL kickoff. But, um, I mean, he, Saquon was there in the third round. I mean, I had to take him. I had to, do you know what I mean? Like getting getting the McCaffrey Is it, do you, you draft with people that know the NFL. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> I know Saquon should not be but I, I will say it was it's a ten team league and I was picking second. So it was like second pick in the third round. But I was like, well, I have to take him because like, you know, this fact this is serious value. And um again, like, I know I talked about Ben Bredesen earlier, but I I thought that was a good trade when we traded for him. And he came in and he injured his wrist or arm, I believe. But this time, this year, he's fully healthy now. And um, I can see him. He, well, he is the backup center now. He's center number two. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, I can see him pushing uh, Feliciano for the starting position, like if he carries on the way he's going. It's really, really funny that you say that because I had a draft the other day. And I picked up Barkley. I was number, I was, had the second pick in the draft. And I picked him up in the second round. So probably only four picks before when you've done. Exactly that, yes. And I probably could have got him in that third round. I just decided to pull the trigger in the second because I was like, I can't let Saquon be here with a third round against him. So, yeah, I think that's uh, that sums it up. I think there's a lot of people who are potentially sleeping on Saquon. I think so. And we've said it before, haven't we, that this is the first season since his rookie season that he's been fully healthy coming into to, to camp and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And he's shown it in camp. Every single player has said that he looks explosive. All of the pundits on the sideline and the beat writers, even some of the fans that are going to these have said Saquon looks a different animal this year and I just can't wait to see him 
tear it up and hopefully next year he'll be joining Big Cat on the top 100 players of the uh, of the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, to be honest. So, all in all, I think we all agree that it, it was a bit of a... It was a solid, if not spectacular, showing from the Giants. It was kind of what we needed, what we expected. Obviously, it's pre-season game one, so uh, we were never going to set the world alight. And as Shane alluded to earlier, um, there were definitely none of the plays that we've been seeing in training camp with pre-snap motion. It was all kind of a bit tame from the offensive play calling side of things. But I think that's just to to you know keep our cards close to our chest. I will say one thing. Sorry, just speaking about the play calling. It was really cool to see, you know, Richie James, who who I think, uh, I didn't think he'd make the roster, but watching a bit of camp and listening to people talk about him and seeing him um, in that game, I think he get, will make the 53 night. And on his touchdown, you see his little, um, like, pivot to post uh, right that he did, he caught the touchdown on. He he crucified someone in training with one exact same right. And um, it was shown on the highlights. You can go back and watch it. So it's so weird to see, like how, like a, a route that was shown in practice on on Giants media and stuff that he goes out and scores a touchdown with exactly the same route. Like it's just good to see. I was say, Can I just play my Debbie Day in a role now? So now, now is your opportunity to turn around and say to me, Shane, you're chatting shit. You ain't got a clue. You need to lighten up a little bit. So there's a wide receiver that didn't dress. On Thursday, there's a wide receiver that's not training all this week. And all I can think is, here we go again. Am I being a knob for thinking that? This is your chance to just call me out, or have I got a valid point? Because we've seen it numerous times last year where this wide receiver, whose name I'm not going to mention just yet, was injured multiple times with every injury you can think of. And we'll throw a bit of COVID in as well to mix it up. And then he... You know, there's questions about whether he's going to turn up to uh, OTAs or not, and he does, and then he's at training camp, but then he doesn't dress, and he's not going to train all this week. And I'm ju- I just can't help but think, you know, he's such an exciting, explosive player. Like, when he's on the field, he's I think he could be, like, so, so good. Like, I really, really like him and want him to do well. But I just can't think, oh, here we go. I, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's, it's, um, it's a bit like you just want him to have a smooth preseason, a smooth, you know, camp and stuff like hearing nothing about him. I mean, to all extent and purposes, he has had a really good camp. And um, and also, I think that he's built up a really good relationship with uh, Dibs and um, the other coaches and stuff. And I think if any coach can get the best out of him, I think it is Diebel. Uh It's one of those things, it's one of those things where he knows. He's clearly going to be quite pivotal. To the way this offense wants to run as well, that that's blatantly obvious. Yeah, exactly, and that's why we drafted Wondell Robinson in the second round because they they have a clear they have a clear feel for how they want to use these players. I'll I'll sit the fence a little bit and say, um, this is preseason. I think he's being precautionary, and when uh, pre, when regular season week one starts, um, I'll judge it then and see how we go. I think I'm I'm less concerned about Tony being on the sidelines injured and more concerned about Kenny Golladay not being able to live up to what he can when he's actually on the pitch. I think Kenny Golladay's had a much worse camp than Tony has. And I don't know if either of you have seen the uh, footage today of the drills that were going on and wide receiver drills when Robinson did it and it looked electric and Tony did it because he was taking part in those drills and looked electric. And then Golladay did it and I thought, 
I was in slow motion and I had to check my video settings. <laughs> I'll be honest, I've kind of, I've get up on Golladay. I think he'll be gone at the end of this year. I don't, I don't think he picks the way that they want to run the offence. And I think he's maybe lost a step since his injury. And I think his, in, his hip injury, um, from what I've read, is maybe a little bit more complicated than what they first thought. And I've seen things saying that he's never going to be back to the player he was in Detroit. So, you know, I, I've, I've kind of accepted that Golladay is going to be gone after this year, personally. It's, it's, it is frustrating because we've seen how good a player he can be. Hence the reason why he got the, the, the big contract he got. But Dable did come out and said that, you know, he's not going to beat people. He's a he, he sees him as a 50-50 contested catch type of receiver. And he said he wants the ball thrown to him in more 50-50 situations. Because I think maybe the whole thing about Daniel Jones playing conservative and trying not to, 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 to lose games and trying to, you know, trying not to make mistakes, playing not to make mistakes. I think Dable wants him to let it loose because I, I think Daniel Jones might be looking at Colladay saying, right, he's not open, on to my next read. And maybe Dable wants him to go, right, he's not open, but who's he against and what's the situation? Can I back shoulder throw it to him and him just go and and, and manhandle the cornerback and get the ball? It's interesting to see like how he's used throughout the season. I mean, he has to get a touchdown again. There's no way he can go. A full season again and not have a touchdown. The thing for me is, so like you know what what Dave just come out and said about that is a guy who's not fast, who's a fifty fifty guy worth is it seventeen and a half million a year he's earning? Well, who he's probably on twenty one, twenty two now. The way the contract was struck, the contract was structured. He's a not quick, kind of injury prone, fifty fifty guy worth twenty plus million a year. And for me, I don't think he is, and that's why I think he'll be gone in 12 months' time, because they'll say, yeah, we want that type of player, but we can probably pick a 50-50 kind of guy up in a draft somewhere that's going to be a lot cheaper. Well, if it's true what they say, and Dave's has been saying uh, the best player plays, you'd have an argument to say Colin Johnson would be uh, taking the spot. Colin Johnson's looked more like Kenny Golladay than Kenny Golladay's looked like Kenny Golladay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So obviously we're going to be moving forward to Sunday uh, for our pre-season game at home, our only one at home out of the three, um, against the runners-up in the Bengals. What are we looking for this week? Um, probably just like basically just a little bit of continuation from what we've seen uh, last week. You know, I want to see the old line perform well again. Um, you know, Daniel Jones looking solid again will be good for me. Um, running backs to continue what they're doing. I'd like to see Tibbs get a sack just to just so I want him to get that sack. That that's the only reason. Not because I think he needs it or there's pressure or anything. You know, I liked what I seen from Tibbs the other day. You know, um starting a full start, pretty pretty much as good as a sack, really. It still sets the, the offense back. Um so you know, I'd like to see him get a um get a sack. Uh, I want to see Beavers continuing to progress, and I want to see a little bit more of the likes of Yusuf Corker. And I'd like to hopefully see a little bit more from the secondary as well and find out if Cordell uh, Flott is fit enough to play and see a little bit from him. Hopefully see a bit of performance from Aaron Robinson as well, if he's going to be that CB too. Yeah, I'd like to um, I'd like to see the ones score in the first drive. Obviously, I know last week, um, if it wasn't for that goal they dropped that he should have caught, you know, but everyone has dropped, so I understand that. Um, I believe they would have gone and scored a touchdown. I want to see that this week. Um, I want to see see him from the running game. I want to see us moving the ball, push, moving the line, the scrimmage. 
Um, the offensive line moving line of scrimmage forward, getting positive yards in the run game. I want to see Daniel Jones go through his progressions, make sensible decisions. I want to see Beavers again, definitely. I want to, I want to see him because I actually, yeah, I really think he can steal that uh, second inside linebacker spot um, from Tay Crowder. And I want to see uh, some of the yeah CBs and uh, safeties. I want to see them step up and earn a spot because there's a lot of spots up for grabs in, the, in that cornerback room. And I want to see players come. I want to see um, Robinson just look solid. Not flashy. He doesn't have to have a pick. He doesn't have to have lots of, have something like that. But I want to see him basically not give up plays he shouldn't give up. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that's pretty much what we're all looking for, isn't it? Is the biggest question mark that we have on the team at the moment is in the backfield for our defense. So anything to just alleviate a bit of the pressure that they're under at the moment, and to give the fans some hope that we're actually going to be competitive and it's not going to be the thorn in the side that it was last year and that everyone kind of expects it to be. I think Wink's obviously making a big difference on the front. It's now time just to see if we can if we can shore up at the back there. And while we're on that subject, we might as well move on to the positional breakdowns considering we're going to be looking at the safety and cornerback and then finalising everything with special teams. So let's have a look at the safety position first. Um, so we're entering in a bit of a new era at safety in 2022. Um, last year's two starters, Gibral Peppers and Logan Ryan, are gone. New defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale, likes to use his safeties in pressure packages and um, they're expected to be quite aggressive. So Xavier McKinney is uh, is probably the first person we're going to look at. Former second round pick out of Alabama, started 16 games uh, and made no three total tackles with 10 passes def- defence and five interceptions. Uh, do you expect McKinney to continue his upward trajectory on our safety core? Without a doubt. I love Xavier McKinney. I love Xavier McKinney coming out of the draft. Um, he was my number one safety that year. I had him over. Uh, who was the LSU kid, Kev? Went to Cleveland. Oh. Uh... De- De- Del- De- um, Del- Delpit, Grant Delpit. Yeah, I think he was the same year as McKinney. Or I think it was that. Was it them two was... I, th- I think so. I might, I might be wrong there. Um, but yeah, I had Xavier McKinney, my number one safety of the year. He came out... Um, I was baffled how he slid to the first round. I was screaming for us to take him when we did. I was gutted when he got injured. And I really, really liked him from what we've seen last year. I'm literally just waiting for him to sign a contract extension because he's my next jersey I'm getting. Um, 100%. I absolutely love Xavier McKinney. He's like my my guy in, on, on the defence. You know, I absolutely love him. Um, and, you know, I think he's really going to kick on, especially in Wink's system as well. I think Wink's going to absolutely love working with him. Um, and I believe he's also been in contact with, uh, is it Eric Weddle, I think it was, who Wink had in. That's right, yeah. So, you know, he's obviously tapping Eric Weddle up, you know, who was a top five safety for, for how long, if not even top three. Um, so, you know, I think, I think Xavier really, really is going to kick on this year. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a great player, yeah. Um... He was one of Alabama's best players. He was the, the best safety in that draft coming out. Um, he had... See, people might say he had an underwhelming rookie year, but, like, rookies aren't supposed to be good. I mean, like, that's the whole thing. If a rookie's good, that you're exceeding expectations. That's, like, you're doing more than what you should be doing. I think his trajectory's been bang on. He came in and was solid. Second year, he made the jump. And I think he's going to make the jump again. I mean, he's just he's just good at everything he does. 
I mean, for Wink Martindale to be giving him the green dot um, to to make uh, the to relay the defensive play call to the team, um, you know, shows some trust in him. Yeah, I think he like. Sheen says, I think we're getting tied up. <laughs> as soon as we can offer him a contract, I think he should because, uh, he, you know, break the bank to keep him because he's that good a player. I think he's a he's a pod favourite. I, th- I think out of all the players, he's probably the favourite on the pod and it's well-deserved. He's 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 got better year on year. If he can carry on, he, I mean, the sky's the limit with this guy. He could literally be one of the best safeties in, in the NFL and I don't think anyone doubts it. He's going to literally, He's going to be the cornerstone of our defense this year, especially in that backfield. And and as you said, getting the green dot is a massive, massive pat on the back from Wink. Which is it's funny because uh, just going back to Beavers, Beavers has got the green dot for the the second team. Um, so it's it's not like the safety position is where where Wink is is kind of honed in on. Uh, he's he's allowing different players in different positions to take that that responsibility across the team. So let's move on to the rest of the the safeties. Uh, Junior Love has obviously played all over the defence. He's played outside and slot corner and the safety roles last year in 17 games. Uh, five starts at safety. He's made 66 total stops and had seven passes defended. Uh, we've also got Dane Belton. Now, unfortunately, he's broken his collarbone, so he's likely to... Miss a, a few months. Uh, he's probably not going to come back until halfway through the season. Um, but hopefully, he can contribute when he does come back, and and we'll see a bit more from him. Um, Andrew Adams rejoined the team a few weeks ago after leaving Tampa Bay. He's been with them for four years. Was obviously part of their Super Bowl team. Uh, he played for fourteen games last year. Three starts, one interception, four passes defended, and twenty four tackles. Uh, Two weeks ago, we claimed Nate Meadows off waivers after being waived by the Browns. He spent 2021 on the Browns practice squad, appeared in three games previously for Minnesota in 2019 and 2020, but nothing more. And then we've got a couple of undrafted free agents. Yusuf Corker, he played 43 games in four seasons at Kentucky uh, and was a team captain for the last two seasons. And then Trenton Thompson, who played six seasons at San Diego State. Played in 51 games uh, with 187 tackles, four interceptions, 21 passes defended. It looks like Love is obviously going to be the favourite there for a job, but do you expect the others to push him? Yeah, I mean, like, like I, I personally thought Love was rubbish coming out, played for Notre Dame, crap player, shouldn't have been drafted. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Kev's face is uh, not a good one right now. Nah, um, I, I like Julian Love. To me, is Mister Solid. He he very rarely makes a, a balls up, but he's just never quite been good enough to get that starting chance. But I do also feel like he's never really been given the opportunity. Um, you know, I I do like Love. I, I think he's someone who we probably should extend it all honestly because he's going to be one of those players that's not going to be asking for a ridiculous amount. Um, but as well as being um. Mr. Reliable, he's, he's also Mr. Versatile, like you allude to, you know. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to hear Kev's opinion, but I've always thought he's someone who he can offer something on the outside personally, um, but he's very much always been seen as a slot or a, a safety kind of guy. But, you know, I, I, I hope he takes and seizes this opportunity for um, that second safety spot alongside McKinney. 
but he does have some competition, notably for me, from a guy who I think should have been drafted in Yusuf Corker. Um, I was buzzing. We were um, picking Corker up as an undrafted free agent. Um, and I do think Corker could maybe give him a little bit of competition, but I do think Love should just be able to hold him off and, and lock down that safety two position. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, um, obviously I followed uh, Love's career all through Notre Dame. Uh, Kimmin is like a... Like a not a high heralded prospect, but you know he finished up um, being voted the second best cornerback in uh, in college football the, in his senior year. And I think he has all the traits, he has all the ability. It's just his, you know, his, his speed isn't what necessarily what you want for uh, a starting outside cornerback in the league. His instincts are good. He can recognize the game. He's very smart. Um, and that's probably why, you know, he's probably best suited as a... He's put on weight now as well. So he's a bit slimmer in college when he's playing uh, cornerback. He's put, on, he's put on weight now, so he's more of a box safety. He can, like, like a pseudo linebacker if you want. Um, I think um, he is versatile. And again, that's, like Gene says, been detrimental to him because he's kind of like, well, we'll put the... Pla- he's like a plaster. We'll put him on here to fix this. We'll put him on there to fix that. Um, I think now it's a contract year as well. So he's playing for a new contract. Um, not that he's that type of player to be, to, you know, to to see out the money and stuff like that, but um, I think he'll be a good starting safety in the league. Um, I think it's his position. Talk about Corker, I I very high in Corker coming out. You know, I, I haven't, but I haven't really heard him buzz too much in camp. I've I've heard he's played okay. I haven't really heard like big big things from him. I mean, Dean Belt Dean Belton though, um, I was so pleased with that pick because he. He's like that. I would see him playing a lot of three safety role. Like you'd have Julian Love and McKinney looking after the the back end, and you'd have him blitzing or him like covering uh, tight ends and stuff like that because he's big and solid and he's a tackling machine. Um, maybe not the best in deep coverage, but you wouldn't ask him to play that type of position. Um, I'm just so unlucky that he like, again talking about this injury bug that um, you know he picked up a bit of an injury, but. I think he, he should be back early in the season. So um, I think he's, they've put him on IR and they'll be able to call him back into the, the squad um, when he's healthy again. Um, I mean, Tristan Thompson had a nice... Um, was it Thompson had the nice... Uh, Trenton Thompson had a nice sack the other night in the preseason game. Um, but I think it was one of those um, sacks that whoever was in that position would have would have got it. I think it was the way Wink Martindale uh, drew up the... Drew up the play that you know that it was to get that particular player open. Um, so whoever was there, I think, would have got that sack. I mean, it, from what I've been seeing, like Julian Love's been lining up in the A gap a lot of times, blitzing from there. And in in uh, practice, he's been getting free and been getting to the quarterback. So I'm really looking forward to see how Wing sort of blitzes the safeties, not just linebackers as well. Um, as for some of the other guys, I mean, Andre Andre Andrew Adams, I think, has a good chance of making the team. Just because, not because of his ties with the Giants before, but just because he's had experience in the league. He's been in the league, what, six, seven years now? Um, he was at the Buccaneers, you know, played well for them. Um, he's one of those players that um, I think is solid enough to be a good number three, four, uh, safely on, on the roster. Um, so again, like, you know, I think it's, it's, it's got like, the safety is quite good in the sense that you've got the star in McKinney, You've got the solid professional pro in love, and you've got some backups where you've got Adams, who is like 
a backup, a good, solid backup. They'll give you something on special teams that'll be able to come in at a pinch. And then you've got a couple of young rookies who you would look to maybe develop for the future. You both spoke quite highly of Corker when we did the initial breakdown of when, of the undrafted uh, free agents when, when we were looking at those. So... I haven't. You're right. I haven't heard a lot in the um, from the beat writers, etc., about Corker. Whether that's a bad thing or a good thing is is an is another question, really. But I think Love is going to be that that anchor piece to begin with, um, and whoever is behind him for once might actually might actually look like we have have some solid solid players behind that. Corker has had like, a pretty good camp, in all honesty. Um, he has been wearing the headset for the defensive second team, calling plays, uh, and he also got an interception at FanFest as well. So he's kind of he's making a good impression on the uh, on the coaches, you'd imagine. And you know, hopefully, Lung Lung continues, and that's he, he's one player I'm kind of going to be watching um, against Cincinnati, hoping he can kind of you know seize that opportunity when he gets it. If he potentially went onto the practice squad, do you worry that he'll be poached? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll come to it at some point, I'm sure, over the coming weeks. But like he, for me, should be on the 53. Yeah, I think definitely he should make a 53. He's one of those players that, to be honest, he's one of those players I think should be in the 53 anyway. But if you were looking at, oh, he wouldn't quite make it, he's on the bubble, should we put him in the practice squad? I wouldn't risk it. The same way and the Steelers risked it last year with uh, Roche. They thought they could sneak him on the practice squad and then we gobbled him up in waivers. That was just going to be my exact comparison. See, great minds think alike, Kev. <laughs> Always, brother. There we go. There we go. So let's have a, a move on then to our cornerbacks. Uh, this group is going to look a bit different as James Bradbury was released due to salary cap constraints. Um, however, there is a bit of consistency there with Jerome Henderson and Mike Trier, our two defensive back coaches, um, carrying on with the team, probably some of the only coaches who did carry on from the previous regime. Um, at outside corner, Adoree Jackson looks like he's probably got that the first cornerback role sort of sewn up for himself. He'll be the starter. The other side, potentially... Could be up for grabs, but Aaron Robinson's obviously going to have the inside track there. Um, Adoree Jackson, number one cornerback, pretty, you know, pretty locked on. Do we would we say? Yeah, definitely. I, I can't see anyone sort of com- competing with him for that spot. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping we get a he really sort of kicks on um, this this year. I'll be interested to see if he maybe like could be in contention for a captain role. Um, I don't know if that kind of suits his profile, but I think he could be in contention for it. Um, but yeah, you know, I think Adore, he's he's got to be the number one cornerback, and we need him to be CB one. We need him to show this year why he was a first round draft picker a few years ago. Um, and you know, I, I do genuinely think he's going to be one of these players that's going to rise to that challenge. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like. All the talent in the world. Again, like you said, he got picked the first round of the USC. Um, but Shane, let me ask you this one question. What's the only downside with him? Uh, injury. Injury. He has a bit of a history of, uh, of being injured. I mean, that's the only thing, though. I mean, like, as press man, brilliant. He's lightning quick. I mean, in college, he played offense. He played slot receiver as well in college and played outside corner and was the return uh, man for them. He's, he's electric. He... I think he's got it all, 
again, if he just stays on the field, if we get 17 games out of it, everyone will say, I, I think he has a really good chance of making the Pro Bowl. I read him that highly. Um, but that's brilliant. But then the opposite of who's your who's your cornerback too? I mean, Aaron Robinson, you would say, is the like you said, has the has the sort of like keys to the car at the moment. But we need to see more from him. Like I said about uh, preseason, the next preseason game, I just want to see him go in and be comfortable being the number two cornerback. You know I mean, could be comfortable being the starter, make plays when he needs to make plays. You know, not really, almost don't mention him, as in like you know, I oh, didn't really throw at him. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. And but the, again, behind that, it's all unproven. I think. I mean, there's, I do like uh, Zion Gilbert um, and Darren Evans. I think they've shown flashes. And again, I know we keep talking about it, but like, right, that's flashes. That's brilliant. You know, great. You know, they could be good for the future. But you know yourselves that like, we we need to produce now. We need to get wins on the board this year. Yeah, I mean, behind Robinson and Jackson, if we're looking at the the outside cornerback position. Um, there are only three other people on the unofficial depth chart on the Giants website. You've got uh, Rodarius Williams, who is a rookie selected in the sixth round last year. He tore his ACL in week five, so only appeared in the first five games of last season um, and made one tackle. But I don't really think you can read too much into his stat line uh, after five games where he was probably mostly a bit part player there. Uh, Darren Evans uh, is an un- was an undrafted rookie free agent. He played in 22 games for LSU in 2020 and 2021. Uh, he was in the secondary with Flot and number three overall pick Derek Stingley. So obviously played on, on quite a, a, a big defence there. And Zion Gilbert, another undrafted rookie free agent, spent five seasons at Florida Atlantic playing in 57 games, uh, five interceptions uh, he had in his career at Florida Atlantic. So do, do you do you see any of those stepping up? And if so, which one do you think is more likely? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel a little bit sorry for um, Aaron Robinson, to be honest. I, I personally believe he was drafted last year as a slot guy because that's what he was. He was one of the best slot corners in that draft last year. And now he's been ex- ex- expected to sort of be on the outside and I'm not too sure on what his kind of experience is there. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, the, the, the big one for me is going to be Radarius Williams. He looked good last year in camp. He had a really, really good camp. He was one of these players that was like, you know, yeah, we're probably expecting to be on the practice squad, maybe cut. But he earned that jersey. He had a really good season and then obviously he picked up that ACL. Um, I think I want to say he's due to come back to training this week. I think. Um, so hopefully, you know, I'm I'm just gonna be intrigued to see how how he does if he if he looks that player that we saw in camp last year or if he has lost something. Now the only downside with Darius Williams is he's he's old. He's twenty. Is he twenty five? I think or twenty six now. <laughs> so so old. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's old in NFL. <laughs> if you said to me, "Oh, yeah, we've got a, a, a player on his rookie contract to start in his second year," you're going to be thinking 22, 23 years old. He's not. He's he's twenty five or twenty six. I'm not too sure. Um, so you know, he's the one who I'm kind of got one eye on. But he does. I don't know if anyone else has ever ever thought this, but I do always wonder what if Source had slid. Oh, we can what, talk about what that. Would the, I just always wouldn't. I love, I love Tibbs. Tibbs was my number one draft pick, uh, my number one player in that draft, and I absolutely loved him. And I'm, I'm buzzing with him. But it's just one of them, you know, in like the what if world. I just always wonder what if Source 
Tibbs, Evan Neal were there at five, what order would we have gone? And I I personally, I, I think we might have gone sourcing, all honesty, because we knew the situation at DB and cornerback. We knew that we'd be having to let James Bradbury go. Um, and then, you know, again, in, in another what-if world, I, I do wonder what if we hadn't tried it back at the start of the second round and we could have got an Andrew Booth Jr. You know, it, it's just that scenario, what if, and, you know, I do wonder whether the Giants eyeing up a cornerback at that point and hoping to get one Dale Robinson a little bit later on. Um, you know, it, it's it showed on Thursday it, it, it's a position that's going to might cost us a little bit. And, you know, let's not forget we've got a DC who is going to be very aggressive regardless of whether it's Aaron Robinson, Darren Evans, Zion Gilbert, Rodarius Williams or Shane Whitehouse at CB2. He's still going to be blitzing the hell out of that quarterback. What's uh, Shane Whitehouse's uh, stats on Madden like? He's old. He's really old. He's 30. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, the outside corner is, yeah, it's definitely air of concern. I mean, I really like Gilbert. I, I really hope that he could develop into something that could be a starter. But I don't know. It's just one of those things, like, how often do you get an undrafted free agent become a, a quality starting corner in this league? It's, it's, it doesn't happen very often. It might just be, have to be depth. I mean, I hope Aaron Robinson steps up, but he has the, he has the attributes to, to, to be able to play the position. But like she said, he was supposed to be a, the, one of the best slot corners, which is kind of weird. Like last season, we drafted a slot corner and we had um, Darnay Holmes, who I thought was good. Not great, but good. Uh, so I was really shocked by that. And then this year, we've drafted Flot, <laughs> who plays the slot. But he's definitely he's definitely a while away. He's he's so slender. He's He's not quite ready for regular, regular reps in um, snaps in, in the NFL at the moment, I don't think. Yeah, we're, 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 we, you might see, I think you'll definitely see us pick someone up when we um, the roster starts shaking loose. When teams start, you know, we've, we've, this week we've gone from uh, 90 to 85. Next Tuesday, it'll be 80 to 85 to 80. And then the week after, the Tuesday after that will be the final cuts down to 53. So I think those weeks, I think someone will shake free that the Giants kind of like, kind of like the way um, uh, Elijah uh, Griffin shook loose from the, from the Bills roster. Like, like I've said it many times in the podcast before, roster will continue to churn over and, you know, you'll see very, very, uh, it'll look very, very different from even now to the end of the season. Um, but, um, yeah, I'd say corner is a little bit of a concern. I think inside slot corner, I think um, Darnay Holmes is having a fantastic preseason, isn't he? Every every time I pick up, uh, open up YouTube or something to see the Giants media, like he's picking someone off. Well, that's that. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's where we're going to move on to next is slot corner. Um, and and I think originally at the beginning of camp, you could probably argue that um, it was anyone's game. Uh, Darnay Holmes obviously returned for his third year. We've picked up free agent Khalil Dorsey and we made our third round selection with Cordell Flott. So, you know, Holmes is pretty much the most experienced player or one of them in, in the secondary, which is uh, crazy to think for a player who who's in his third year. I mean, in 2021, Holmes played in 11 games, had one interception, two passes defensed and 29 combined tackles. Uh, funny enough, I had a look earlier at his numbers for the year previously, 
um, and they were almost identical. One interception, two passes defense, 29 combined tackles. So he's consistent. Uh, Khalil Dorsey obviously has previous with uh, Wink. He signed with the Ravens as an undrafted free agent in 2020, but was placed on injured reserve with a shoulder injury that November and hasn't seen the field since. Uh, he re-injured that shoulder last August, missed the entirety of last season. So, you know, essentially we're, we're looking at a player there with zero experience and somebody who's already had quite a major injury in their career before it's even started. Um, and then Cordell Flott, who lined up pretty much in every position in the secondary at LSU, but obviously spent the majority of his time in the slot. Um, he had three years at LSU, two as a starter, one interception, 10 passes defended. So, it, you know, going by camp, it does look like Darnay Holmes is going to be the standout there. What, what about Khalil Dorsey and Cordell Flott? Do you think they have a chance to, to upset him as the starter? Um, I feel a little, again, Donay Holmes is another one who I feel a little bit sorry for because we drafted him and I thought he had a pretty solid rookie season. And then we went and drafted another slot receiver, as we've mentioned, in Aaron Robinson. Robinson was injured, so Donay Holmes, you know, rightfully played the slot cornerback. And again, I think he had an, another solid season. And then this year we've drafted another slot cornerback. And it, 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 I kind of feel like nobody wants Darnay Holmes to succeed in the New York Giants organisation at the minute because it just seems like we keep trying to draft his replacement. But he's he's he, he's someone who, like, I'd, I'd allude to, like, kind of a, a Julian Love kind of player, except he starts in the fact that, you know, I consider Darnay Holmes Mr. Reliable. You know, he, he doesn't sort of give up massive plays um, and, you know, he, you can rely on him. Um, I do, I, Cordell Flott's the one that's going to intrigue me the most because I, I do wonder what the plan is for him, whether it's for him to either back up Darnay and maybe compete with Darnay or if the plan is for him to bulk up, add a little bit of size and maybe compete for that outside cornerback position. So I'm kind of in, intrigued as to what happens with Cordell Flott. Um, you know, according to Cordell Flott, when we drafted him, I still didn't like. I still don't like the pick. I, I, I think it was probably a little bit too high for my liking, and there were better cornerbacks on the board available. But it doesn't mean I want him to fail. You know, I do want him to succeed. I'm just going to be intrigued as to how the Giants actually plan on utilising him and, and where he's going to be lining up. Yeah, I mean, again, I, yeah, I thought the pick was a bit. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. But I just think if you really like that player, you could have got him a little bit later. I think there might have been better players on the board. Um, like I said before, I think he's a season or two away from being physically ready to play a full NFL season. I mean, I haven't, again, it's one of those players I haven't heard too much about him standing out or making too many plays and that type of thing. I mean, um, but Darnay Holmes, yeah, he's come in, he's been solid. He seems really humble as well. If you ever hear him talk, like, it just seems like he kind of knows, knows what's going on and stuff and he's not going to be enamoured with the bright lights and stuff like that. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy with him as a starting uh, slot corner, to be honest. Um, it's just that outside that's just worrying me a little bit. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much the story of, this, of the pre-season so far and off-season and even last season. Um, with I know that Bradbury uh, obviously played well, but and he's no longer with us. He decided to be traitorous and go to the... Uh, the Eagles, but we won't talk about that. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a massive area of concern. It will be interesting to see what happens uh, for the rest. And, and like you alluded to earlier, Kev, there's plenty of time for this roster to change. Plenty of time for this roster to change, as we've seen with uh, our most recent pickup. I mean, 
I mean, there are some QBs, uh, cornerbacks out there, um, like Xavier Rhodes, Kevin King, players like that. But we haven't really got the money to be like offering um, decent contract. I mean, like, there's no way we could turn around and do what Jets done with Dwayne Brown this week. Do you mean two years, 22 million? <laughs> like, you know, there's no way like we're going to turn around and uh, and pick up like a like a salary like that. So we kind of have to take our lumps a wee bit this year. We knew that anyway, didn't we? We knew that this year was going to be, right, what have we got? How can we maximise it? And how can we put a team on the field that will be competitive and try and win as many games as possible? We kind of knew that, didn't we, like this year? Um, but it's all about moving in the right direction. And a lot of these um, young cornerbacks have a great opportunity now. You have a whole season in front of you to, to put your hand up. Learn, show you want to learn, and go out there and, and put it on the field and actually you know play for a spot. I do love as well the fact that Darnay Holmes is at the nickname Dirty 30 from Wink. That That's like, you know... Talk about a nickname, Dirty 30. Like, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, spot on. So hopefully, you know, with the comments Wink's made about him, like why he's calling him Dirty 30, because, like, you know, he plays tough, not the fact that he plays dirty. He's always looking to learn. You know, hopefully it leads to, to good so- uh, signs for Darnay for this coming season. So I guess we'll um, we'll move on to the final three positions uh, that, are, you know, they're not going to have any movement, are they? Let's be honest with you. Uh, there's not really going to be any competition really until cut day for one of these uh, potential positions. Um, and let's be honest, two two out of the three are, are going to be returning players as well who have been solid and um, you know aren't going to upset the apple cart at all. So we've got our, our kicker, Graham Gano. He's entering his final year of his three-year extension, uh, but has been nothing but steady for the Giants across those three years. Last year, he made 29 field goals from 33 attempts, had a long of 55 yards, and was a perfect 17 of 17 on extra points, which is exactly what you need from your kicker. Jamie, the Scottish Hammer Gillen, was signed this off-season. Uh, he was with the Browns from 2019 until December of 2021 when he was cut. Uh, he signed to the Buffalo Bills practice squad to finish off the season and has obviously come across with Dabes to replace Riley Dixon, who we released, who has subsequently signed with the Rams. And then Casey Creter uh, has returned for his third season as Giants long snapper. He's played all 33 games since signing with the Giants before the 2020 season and was a pro bowler um, when he was with Denver in 2018. So we all know that Gano is as solid as they come, um, but there are 12 teams currently carrying 12 two punters on their roster. Do you think that the Giants are likely to look at that after after cut day? Um, I see no reason as to, uh, to as to why unless Jamie Gillen has a like, complete disaster. Um, you know, I thought he, he punted pretty well the, the other day. And, you know, I mean, let's face facts, it, it's going to be hard to be worse than Riley Dixon, who was quite awful. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was surprised that he actually become a free agent. I remember him doing really well with Cleveland. Um, just on the fact of Graham Gano, Depending on how you want to look at this, it's a good thing or a bad thing, but he's probably been the best player in the last couple of years for the Giants. He, he, I love the fact that, like, when he ste- when we've got a field goal, 90% of the time, I feel pretty confident. Like, I can come, like, the field goal team comes on, and I'm like, right, I can use this time there to go and get me a drink or go to the toilet or something. So I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's going to hit the field goal. Um, and then, it, like, in regards to Casey Coyter, I don't know much about him. And to me, that's a good sign because if I don't know much about him, I know he's not. Balls enough 
um, any of the um, the snapping or anything like that. So yeah, you know, I'm quite happy with those three. Um, and like you say, you know, hopefully Jamie Gennon can go on to the, the the punter that he was in Cleveland. And you know, special teams in that regard is quite good because our special teams the other day wasn't brilliant in regards to. Um, you know, when we were punting away, you know, I, f- I felt New England were probably getting too many yards on their returns. Um, but, you know, th- those three punter, snapper and kick are all good for me. Yeah, same. I mean, Kizzy Quider, again, we'd never hear his name. We'd never hear his name called. That's a good thing. Snaps are always good. Um, Gano, I think we should extend him. I think he's been a fantastic kicker, you know, very solid player. Like Shane says, you know, you pretty much kneel him on to, you know, you have a field goal, you have an extra point, Bosh, you know he's going to hit, hit it most times. Um, Jimmy Gillen, I actually I actually love this pick. And I and I know a lot of times, if you listen to this podcast for the whole, like, for the whole year we've been going, I am a bit of the hopeless romantic. Like, I love the story. I love, like, so I love the fact that, yeah, he's a Scottish kicker, a Scottish punter in the league. And, you know, he's playing with, you know, Graham Grinnell, a Scottish kicker in the league. Well, the accents might be a little bit different, but um, he, ha- he has to do something really bad for, for us to even look at someone else. And I think he's been solid. I think he's been fine. I think it's a good indictment when, when the, the head coach and the um, general manager have come from an organization and brought you with them. Do you mean? So they've actually, because they could have picked any uh, other punters off the street and had like uh, tryouts. You know, a lot of teams do. They bring in two, three punters over over the course of uh, the preseason and stuff and, and camp and, you know, have it. They've obviously seen enough of him from uh, him being on the practice squad at uh, the Bills to say, okay, you know, he's he's a good enough punter. We just happen, the Bills just happen to have a better one, but he's a good enough punter to be in uh, one of the uh, 32 teams in the league. They've brought him over and hopefully he'll do a job for us. And he's a young lad as well, so. Yeah, so I'm pretty happy with those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his first season with the Browns in 2019 was absolutely stellar. And the only reason that the Browns obviously let him go is that his trajectory started to, to fall off. And I think they just thought that it was the right time for a, for a move. But if he can come in and perform like he did when he first started, I think we've got a punter there that, that could easily stay with us for a good few years. And as Shane's alluded to, be much better than our previous punter who uh, didn't exactly do much last season. No, exactly. He was on the Bills practice squad all last year. So he's, he's been able to punt sort of like hassle-free, sort of like, you know, nerve-free, just been able to go out there and practice and practice and practice um, to be able to get confidence back. Because I'm guessing it's a massive com- confidence thing for kickers and punters. It's a it's a very, um, I don't know, I don't want to say targeted, but it's a, it's a it's a lonely job, isn't it? Because you have one you have one job. You go out on the field, you make your kick, you come back, and it's it's not like oh okay, it's all right. We've got the next down. You've you've got one down, and that's it. That's that's your job. That's you run out on the field. You do your job. Yeah. You come back. That's it. Like if if a, if a if a wide receiver drops a pass, like all right, move on to the next one. But if, if special teams makes one mess up. Like it's so heightened, isn't it? It's so like, yeah, kickers are people too. Just whilst we're on the topic of it, I'm going off slightly off topic. Did anyone see the Bills punt the weekend? The 86 yarder. Yeah, so they drafted um, in this year's draft the sixth round, I think it was, and he punted 82 yards, which was more than 75 yards in the air, 
And since 2015, there's only been one punt in NFL that's been more than 80 yards. But he he was was that that Matt Ariza or Matt? Uh... Yeah, from Arizona State, I think he was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were all talking about it. Like he he's he's been like a known commodity for a while. Still crazy though, isn't it? Some leg on him. Yeah, and it shows how important a punter can actually be, especially when let's not beat around the bush. You're as shit as the Giants have been the last few years, and you're punting quite often. You know, if you can pick a team back in their own 20, then you're laughing. Well, that's the completion of our roster roundup. It's been four weeks, and that is uh, that is a complete breakdown of every single player who might not still be with the team with the roster moves, but we've, we've gone through them. Um, so if you've enjoyed this, and this is your first one that you've checked out on our position of breakdowns, make sure you go back, check the others out too, um, if you agree or disagree with some of our comments, you think that we're overhyping someone or we've, you know, we've let someone slip under the radar that you think is a lot better, let us know on Twitter, send us comments, let us know. We'd be more than happy to interact with you, get your opinion across. And obviously our mailbag's always open. So if you want us to have a look at a specific play or a specific group of plays that a single player has made or even any of our new roster additions, just let us know. Speaking of the mailbag, before we go, we'll dive into it because we've been given a three-part question from uh, NY Irish Football Giant on Twitter. Um, the questions are all about individual players, so I'm going to look at them one by one. They are things we've gone over in the last three weeks. Uh, however, opinions might have changed as pre-season games have happened and there's been a, a lot of camp since then. So we've kind of touched on this a little bit. Kenny Golladay, huge question marks. Yeah, um, just before we start this, I will just put a disclaimer in there. NY Irish Giant is not Kev's alter ego. It's not his <laughs> Not just created this to ask us some questions in, any, in case anyone's thinking, oh, is this actually Kev? Um, but yeah, you know, Kenny Kenny G, we've, we've mentioned it. I've, I've had my thoughts. I think, you know, he's probably going to be gone in, in 12 months' time unless he does something this year. Um, and, you know, for the money he's earning, if we're just seeing him as a 50-50 guy, I think there's better out there and we can draft better and, and you know uh, like we've mentioned Colin Johnson is a better Kenny Golladay than what Kenny Golladay is um, so you know for me I think that, yeah there's big question marks over Kenny G and I, I just can't see a, a situation in which he's still a New York Giant in 12 months time yeah I'm just with Kenny Golladay it's like the talent's there or it has been there he's proven it in the league I just hope you know I just I have a feeling that we might have got Right, he's he just can't get over the injuries now. He's just not the same player, and he's had his big payday. I'm not saying he's playing badly because he's had his big payday. I'm just saying that you know he's had his injuries and he just can't quite get back to the form he had. Um, and it's one of those go out and show now, go out and prove it. Show me what you've got. Go out there, um, Daniel Jones, throw the ball at him, throw the ball at him, give him a 50 50 ball, and if the cornerback comes down with it. The, the coaches and stuff will know it's not on you. I, I, it's a pr- it is a proven year this year. Well, speaking of Daniel Jones, that's uh, the subject of the next question, which is, will Daniel Jones finally deliver with protection around him? Um, whether he will is a different thing. He needs to. Um, you know, it, it was promising signs, as I said, you know, on Thursday, you know, I mean, I was sat at home. I just watched the first half, to be honest, but I, I watched Daniel Jones' first try and I was like, that's solid. You know, I think there was maybe one poor throw that he made. Um, was it out to 
want to say, was it out to Jeremiah Hall in the flat? And he so I don't know if it was a bad throw or a, a, a bad attempt at a catch. It was it was it was it was a little high. Paul is small, but he still probably should have combined with it. Yeah, it's kind of you know it, you, if you hate Daniel Jones, you could put it on Daniel Jones. If you love Daniel Jones, you could put it on the receiver. Um, but you know, and, and <laughs> the one thing that still pisses me off with Daniel is on Thursday, slide with your legs first every time he does that. Slide forward. I just think fumble or injury. Like I didn't like you. You're a, you're a quarterback. Quarterbacks are meant to be smart. Why are you sliding? Like you're going down a slide at a water park. It just makes no sense to me. So I wish he'd sort that out. Still. Yeah, I think I, I think he will. I think the the protection that he got the other night, although it's a small sample size, I know. It was just for us Giants fans, we haven't seen that in so long. So to be able to see like a clean-ish pocket, um, I think Daniel Jones, I think I think he'll play well. I'm hoping he'll show he's the franchise quarterback and light things up. Um, do I think he will? I think he will play well enough to earn a new contract and be able to build around him, in my opinion. Um but also, I can see it go the other way as well. I mean, you know, like, you have the nice pocket, you have the time to throw, and you go through your reads, and he still throws it into double coverage or something. Like, I've seen him do that in the past, and, like, I, he can't do that this year. He can't do that. If you've got half a decent pocket, like we think he's going to have, you need to go through your progressions and check down. And if you run, you need to slide, baseball slide. On this head first carry on like she insane. Yep. Totally totally agree with, with all of those points. Um the, the sliding thing's been a, a big topic on Twitter this week and you know the last thing he needs is to go out and die forward and injure himself and he, he you know, he's put, almost putting the nail in his own coffin really there by if he if he goes out with an injury and Tyrod comes in. Well here's a question, Craig and Shane. So if he goes out, right? And looks good, like really good. Uh, first two games, you're like, wow, we get two wins or a win and a narrow loss that we could have won. And he, you're like, Daniel Jones, this is this, you know, this could be it, could be it. And in the third game, he injures himself, he's out for the season. What happens then? That's it. I think that's it, though, isn't it? Yeah, he's gone for me. Yeah, I, I think you have to agree, especially if Tyra comes in and performs well enough that. We could use him as a stopgap next year, depending on our record. Or if we tank, then I guess we'll probably draft his successor. The problem as well is what 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 is the cliche? What's the best ability a player has? Availability. And he's if he, if that happens, he's he's basically proved every single year he can't be available. So you know, for me, it would be a case of. See you later. And, you know, get it all hurt if he ends up in Carolina or Houston and absolutely balls out. But if he does, fair play to him. Um, but, you know, I, I, that is one of the du- durability. It's got to be a concern. You know, um, I mean, I know that today that has there been some sort of quotes or comments from Dave saying Tyrod's probably going to get some time at some point. And I don't know if he's been taken out of context in regards to that, or his words have been twisted. But I genuinely do believe that. I, I firmly believe at some point, Tyrod Taylor is going to play a game as a starter. 
whether that's because Daniel's been benched or whether because Daniel's injured. Well, just to add a little context to that, um, I did watch a little bit of the press conference before the pod, before the pod, and um, the context was like he was always going to get starter reps, but he never knew. Tyrod never knew when he was going to get them, so he wanted to be like game time, as in like you never know when the starter gets injured and you have to go in there. So, so at some point during camp, he was basically going to go to Tyrod, right? You're in for first team reps now, go, go. Just to try and simulate a little bit of like, you know, of if it happens in season. I think that's the best way to go about it as well, because you, you can't, there's, you know, injuries aren't predetermined, are they? They happen on a whim. They happen within seconds. And you don't have that kind of luxury of being able to, stand on the sidelines and go, right, I know I'm going in, I know I'm going in. It's a it's a split second thing and you've got to run through, you know, get in the huddle and you're away. So yeah, I I think that's the best way. And you and you're right, exactly that. It it was it's always been planned from what I've read. The the one thing that intrigues me, and I, I don't think this I can't see this happening, but let's say Daniel has a solid season. Not a great season, but a, you know, a solid season in comparison and he's not injured. But let's say our defence fails miserably and we end up with a, t- a high pick. I do wonder if the organisation are going to go, OK, do we extend Daniel off the back of a solid season or we're going to get a guaranteed quarterback fall to us here? Because let's say we've got a top four pick and there's four quarterbacks that are like the quarterbacks. I do wonder what they would decide there. Would they go with the, the solid option or would they go with we think that this guy's a better quarterback than Daniel or can be a better quarterback than Daniel. So we're going to let Daniel go and go that way. Oh, tag and trade or tag and let the rookie sit behind him for a year. Yeah, ta- tag and let him have a, a, a camp battle. You know, I mean, I, I can't see... It, it's probably going to be very unlikely we have a, Daniel has a solid season where he gets such a high draft pick. Um, but it's just one of them situations. I do wonder what they would do in that scenario. Again, Shane's visit to what if land. <laughs> you love to go there, don't you? Yeah, just honestly, I'm not even going to get into some of the stuff that goes through my mind. <laughs> well, I tell you what, let's all have a trip into what if land. What if Saquon stays injury free? How many touchdowns will he get? Oh, is this rushing or total? Let's go total because it doesn't it doesn't kind of specifically say rushing. And he's going to be a weapon in the passing game. We know that. 14. Nice. I love it. I, 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 I'm not just being a homer pick, but I, I do genuinely believe we're in for a big season from Saquon. I think, you know, 12 months' time, he's probably going to be sitting on another team earning top five running back money, maybe even top three. I, re, I, I do firmly believe Saquon is going to have a season and a half. Like, you just like stole my thunder. Like, I was going to say between 10 and 15. Make like, sounding sounding like sounding like I was going to be like, whoa, this big sort of like, Old, pretty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you come out with fourteen straight off the bat. At least it didn't go like super high. Yeah, can you imagine if we had like yeah seventeen or eighteen? But still, I think like, um, but then don't say that's not a possibility because like again, he is such a good player. He's such a good player when healthy, and I think didn't he get like ten or twelve in his rookie season? Producer Craig goes to the stats, but like you know, so there's, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, especially when they want to use it in the, in the passing game. 
looking at the stats for his rookie season, he had 11 rushing touchdowns and he had four receiving touchdowns. So 15 in total. So if we, if, you know, if we're I'm hopeful... Change, I feel like I've gone under. I feel like I've really offended him there by going for 14. That's really shit. Jonathan Taylor had 19 or 20 last season total. There you go, 15 to 20. I'm thinking more 18 to 20 range. You're going full, full Saquon is going to come out and be Jonathan Taylor. I, I looked at it as would I, if I look at rookie seasons, rookie Saquon against rookie Jonathan Taylor, I would take rookie Saquon every single time. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put a number on it, I'm going to get late teens. So, sort of 17, 18, 19, that's going to be my prediction. Sorry, Saquon, 14 is really offensive. I'll stick to around 15, Mark. I think, I just think, like, if we can get the position where, um, brace yourselves for this, where we're winning a game and we need to see out the second half, you know, I think he's, he'll be able to, 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 to run, run, get yards, but also break off, break one, break a couple off to the house. I think, like, if he can stay healthy, now, well, he is healthy now, he's raring to go. Um, I definitely think he's got a few like 60, 70, 80 yard touchdown runs in him. And on, on that note as well, I think we're going to see a slightly different Saquon this year in the sense of I don't think we're going to see a Saquon that's going to constantly look for the big the big yardage all the time, which he, you know, he has been guilty of in the past. You know, in the past, he's tried to dink and dive and duck too often to try and get, you know, maybe a 15 or 20 yard gain and he ends up getting two or even lose his yards. So I think this year we could maybe see more games where Saquon just solidly gains four yards. Well, there you go, mate. We have answered your three questions. Uh, I hope you agree. Let us know what your picks are for each of them, especially the, uh, the touchdown one. That will be uh, interesting to see how you gauge it along with us. I was just going to say as well, like that came from Patrick, uh, one of the Irish Giants fans. And they're coming over um, for the game, obviously. Um, I think they're sitting in our block as well. So uh, it'd be good to catch up with them sort of on the Saturday for whatever we have planned. Hint, hint. Uh, and then pre-game um, Sunday and, and post-game Sunday as well. And I am, I'm looking forward to like chatting to all the Giants fans that are coming over and coming from anywhere for the game. Like It's going to be such, such a good weekend. Absolutely. I mean, we've been talking to the, the Spanish Giants, the Big Blue Germany, even even some uh, some fans from over in the US, so it will be good. Uh, a massive party, and they they hopefully hopefully will be news soon. So before we go, we just wanted to remind you that we have art, uh, weekly articles going up on the Full Ten Yards website, looking at five things from the Giants that week. Uh, last Sunday we looked at the Giants' preseason game against the Patriots. Next week we'll be doing the same, but against the Bengals. Um, and although by the time this comes out, pre-orders for the printed copies of the full 10-yard guide uh, will be off sale because they'll be going to the print run, you can still pick up the digital version on full10yards.co.uk forward slash guides for £5. Anything to add before we disappear? Just quickly, um, definitely go and get the guides. I think the guides are very good. I mean, um, I've been getting their uh, draft guides for the last couple of years now, well, since they've been doing to be honest. Um it's great sort of source of content, like Chris. Um, so I definitely advise people to go out and grab them. Um, but also, uh, like, and, and read some of Craig's articles. Craig's doing some great work over there as well. Um, so um, I look forward to reading them, like, every week. 
And I think maybe Shane should start doing a what if column every week. Like, you know, I'm sure some of the listeners out there would love to to, to read on like Shane's what if scenarios uh, with Giants related. We, we could end up in a very dark place. Um, now just anything from me is obviously last year we ran the Big Blue UK and Ireland fantasy football Uh, obviously Kevin Craig have done some of their own fantasy drafts in other leagues Uh, in case you're wondering we will be sorting that out over the coming weeks they were getting closer to the season Um, I'm sure there's going to be a few people back from last year and there might not be so there may be opportunities open for new people if you've not listened before so if you're keeping out out on uh, Twitter we'll stick some on there and also on the um, official uh, Facebook page Um, and also Dan look forward to having you back next week and Craig's done a standing job um, so you might have competition for who introduces the pod next week definitely hats off to Craig I thought he's been brilliant this week we do miss you, Dan, and uh, look forward to speaking to you next week again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. It's uh, It's been good fun, Dan. Uh, it's a big job, and uh, I don't envy you for it because I've done a lot of prep for this. So, <laughs> so uh, I look forward to having you back as well. Uh, so I can sit back in the background with my little tidbits every so often. Uh, as always, though, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Five stars would be grand. And obviously subscribe to be alerted when we upload. Uh, you can obviously reach us on Twitter at Big Blue UK IRL. You can reach us on the New York Giants UK page on Facebook. And you can email us BigBlueUKIRL at gmail.com. We'll be back next time to give our thoughts on the game against the Bengals, as well as finish our Giants 2000s team. My thanks go to Shane and to Kev for joining me on my hosting debut. As much as they've liked it, don't worry, Dan, I don't think you're under any threat. And of course, thanks to the listeners for tuning in. We're signing off until next time. Go Giants!